Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform Podcast, sponsored by Amplinter Clavio. You'll listen to myself, James Gedder, my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you doing, sir? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good. I'm just laughing at your busy social calendar um, yeah. and how exhausted you are. Not hungover for once today, which is good. Yeah, um, excellent. Um, so thanks to all our regular listeners for tuning back in and a warm welcome if it's your first time. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, do subscribe, you'll get new episode alerts and we'd love a like on YouTube, Spotify or Apple. Um, right, so let's um, set up our topic and then introduce our guest. So our topic is going to be on advanced search and merchandising with advanced commerce. Um, some of you will know advanced commerce, for others it will, you'll be new to the technology. So what we're going to cover is um, what, what advanced commerce is and their position in the market, the benefits more advanced merchandising can add to an e-commerce business, the advantages of combining search, merchandise and recommendations in one toolkit, and how advanced commerce is, is going to market, what the offer is. So let's uh, welcome our guest, Andre Brown, who's the founder of Advanced Commerce. How are you doing, Andre? Uh, I'm doing really well, James, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, and I'm really glad you come on. I, I enjoyed the recent demo I had with you. It's uh, It was exciting to look at the, the toolkit and how it's changed and advanced over the years. Um, I think, you know, let's let's start with you telling people who are listening who, who, don't, who might not know what advanced commerce is and what you do. Um, Give an instruction to what it is, what your role is, uh, and what's happening at the moment. Sure. So, I mean, I guess my claim to fame is is prior to advanced commerce, I was actually the co-founder and former chief exec of Attract. That was a business that I ran for 15 years and really grew that from zero to becoming the leading European player in search and merchandising. And that journey uh, involved uh, taking the company public in 2014. In 2017, uh, we acquired Fred Hopper, who were our biggest competitor at the time, and left in 2018 to start uh, Advanced Commerce. We basically spent three years building a brand new search, merchandising, and and personalization platform. And we launched that uh, about a year ago, and we've been growing uh, pretty quickly uh, since then. Um, And, you know, for those who are not familiar with merchandising, Uh, In the online world, merchandising really is about controlling the product display sequence. So what products do you show where and specifically in which order? And the problem this this addresses, and your users will recognize this from their own browsing behavior, is that your typical site visitor will only look at the first two or three pages, if that, in fact, in some cases. So for your typical uh, visitor, they're looking at maybe 3%, 5% of your product catalog. Uh, and that's a very small proportion of the overall catalogue. And kind of once you understand that fundamental problem, it suddenly makes the decisions that you as a retailer take about what to show first, particularly on each category page, incredibly important. And it's much like the care and attention that retailers pay to shelf space in a physical store. It's kind of the, the same problem. And that, that's really that's the, the issue that we address by providing retailers with much better tools for controlling that uh, merchandising. Great. Um, and I'll ask the first question. So I think the first time we were introduced was probably about three years ago by uh, a mutual friend, Ozzy from Akuva. And he introduced you guys as like a new um, up and coming e-com platform that, you know, had a really good um, capability when it came to search and merchandising. Um, since then, you've kind of pivoted um, to being a search and merchandising platform, similarly to Attract, I guess. Um, what led to that pivot? Yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. So our original intention was to create a framework for headless commerce, and hence the company name, Advanced Commerce. And uh, 
really what caused us to pivot uh, to that is, is we realized quite early on that the whole sort of composable headless space is very much an enterprise space right now. And that has an impact on things like sales cycles and tech, uh, tech delivery lead times and so on. And, and we kind of felt that actually, um, you know, that wasn't the right space for us. But we'd already started developing a search and merchandising technology really as a microservice. And we had really good feedback from that. And, you know, it's kind of what we know, you know, from my time at Attract. And also I felt, you know, probably had unfinished business from, from that time. And this was a chance to do things differently a second time around. So, so that's why we ended up pivoting. That makes sense. And um, and as we've said a few times, you know, you started Attract. Um, you did that for a long time. Um, and, that you know, Attract played in a number of different spaces. Like, what's the difference with the strategy with advanced commerce? Like, how do you plan to go out to market with advanced commerce? Certainly. So I, th- I think there's probably two things to think about. Uh, one is when we launched, we, we said we were aiming to bring enterprise-grade merchandising to the mid-tier. And that, that's very much what we're doing. We're having a lot of success right now with mid-tier retailers. And I think the reason for that is our use, user interface is incredibly easy to use, and it's being designed to be used by non-technical people. So it doesn't require any kind of uh, specialist knowledge. I think the, the, the other aspect was, well, you know, what are the lessons that we can learn from my time at Attract, you know, to differentiate ourselves? Uh, and there are two, really. One is around delivery. And the second one is around uh, user interface, as I've just mentioned. And really with delivery, it's all about having a product that can be implemented by retailers themselves or their technical agencies. And you know, we've very much designed it to do that. Excellent. So it'd be useful to, to run through the product in a bit more detail. And, and I'd really love to hear the clarification of what enterprise grade means um practically so you know, from looking at the key differentiator when we talked to the advanced merchandise inside could you talk us through where that is currently and what you mean by bringing enterprise grade merchandise into the mid-tier sure so i guess what you mean is you, you can look at a lot of merchandising offerings uh particularly you know aimed at shopify and magento um a lot of them tend to be based on an existing search engine technology. And the merchandising really is about boost or bury or you know, pin things to the top. Whereas we, we have some unique functionality within our platform, things like merchandising blends, merchandising templates, merchandising concepts, and so on. And these are all aimed at giving retailers incredible control over the sequencing of products, and very specifically where you want that sequencing to appear and things like persona merchandising. So you can actually be very specific about what different types of personas we'll see um, uh, on your site. So, you know, we're, we're very clear that uh, it is enterprise-grade functionality, and some of that function- functionality really is unique to us. And that's back to, you know, I've had a long, lot of time to reflect on my time at Attract and how would I improve things. So that's part of it. Um, I think other things are... You know, we definitely compete on speed. It's an incredibly fast platform. Um, you know, if you look at the part of the reports, you can actually look at how quickly things are processing. We're typically processing searches in a millisecond, but it's incredibly quick. Um, and then uh, other aspects, um, I think, with the delivery, although we are 
uh, a SaaS model. We're very much an assisted SaaS model. So typically with a client that's working with an agency, we would have weekly project calls with them as opposed to just saying, well, you know, here, here's the link to the documentation and figure it out yourself. Excellent. And in terms of the user interface, what is it that you focused on specifically? Like what, what have you perceived or what feedback have you had in the past where uh, people have struggled with elements of the user interface and using the tooling and, uh, and what, what did you try and, and simplify? Sure. So, so a number of things. I think the first thing is we've tried to make it a very logical step-by-step. So I mean, you'll probably notice that when, you, when you've seen the demo, we kind of explain it very simply. I start with a merchandising blend that creates my product sequence. Then if I want something more advanced, I'll put it onto a template, which then determines where I see the sequence and so on. And it's almost like building up layers, say in Photoshop, sort of similar concept. Um, so I think uh, um, I think that's that's part of it. And sorry, just remind me the other part of that question, James. Yeah, I was just thinking about the, the what the some of the frustrations that that you've seen in in uh, previously where people struggle to use. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So 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 I think one of the frustrations um, from my time at Attract is it wasn't very modular. So I would I would have to kind of create like a rule that has everything in it. And I'd create that, say, for a category page. But if I wanted something similar for search or for type ahead, I'd have to basically recreate that rule. Whereas what we've done is to make it much more modular. So I can create a merchandising blend, which creates the product sequence. And I can reuse that. I can use it for search. I can use it for type ahead. I can use it for uh, personalization. Um, another frustration was, well, what, what kind of data can we use to create these blends? So product attributes are obvious ones, but you know we noticed, for example, there are times when you might want to create a custom range. So let's take price as an example. Normally within a sequencing blend, you would uh, assign price as one of the metrics, and you'd be setting ascending or descending price order. But you know if you want, what, what do you do if you want to target people at a mid-range price? That doesn't really help you ascending or descending because they're in the middle. So you can create a custom range where you just say, look, I'm going to de-weight everything above and below a certain price range and really focus on that mid-range price. So that's one example. Um, another example is the ability to create a merchandising concept and include that within a blend. So an, an example of a merchandising concept might be summer colors or long dresses. So we've got the ability to define a concept and kind of a what, what makes something a long dress or what makes something summer colors. And then you can create your, your own merchandising blends using those merchandising concepts. So in effect, you'd be, you're able to create your own theme pages just by using our, our platform without having to recreate the actual page because it will just run off um, any category page. So it's things like that. A persona merchandising is another one. So... You know, this I, I think there's a huge disconnect right now between marketing and merchandising. And really what I mean by that is, you know, I went to I went to Manchester last week, you know, it's a big marketing event, and everybody's focused on audience segmentation. You know, how how do you segment an audience? How do you identify that? What's the right channel to approach them? What's the different messages for different segments? But it struck me the outcome is the same. If people respond to that targeted message, 
they come to your website and they get exactly the same product sequence regardless of what segment they belong to. And the whole thing with persona merchandising is looking to say, well, look, you know, if somebody, if we know somebody's a fashionista, don't show them stuff that's cheap. Show them the latest things. Do you descend in price order? If you know somebody's a bargain hunter, then let's show them the things that are cheap on sale. Somebody's loyal to certain brands, let's show them those brands first. So what we're trying to do there is kind of close that disconnect between the work you've done in segment and audience and making sure that each audience will then get the sequence and the strategy that's appropriate to them. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Um, what would be great is, can you give us some examples of, of wins you've seen where brands have used more advanced logic and show talk people through what have they done and what the impact was? And I know it would be anonymized for obvious reasons. But... Sure. So, I mean, some simple quick wins will be just sorting out your search. So search on most sites is, is pretty poor, generally. And, and it's ironic because search generally converts much more highly. Um, and a, a slightly more advanced version of that is sorting out your type of head and mini landing pages, which really do convert very highly. So just to give you an example, one of my clients um, emailed me with an update on performance improvements since they went live. So the stats he gave me were site search conversion went up 59.51%. Per search value went up 89.4%. So really quite a significant uh, uplift just by sorting out search. With product recommendations, again, you know, a big complaint when I was at Attract is it's a bit of a black box. What people mean by that is, well, what do I do if I don't like the outcome? You know, we like the automation of it, but what do I do if I don't like the outcome? And um, because our platform treats search category pages and personalization all as the same thing. You can apply the same strategies and blends and templates and so on to, to product recommendations. And with this particular client, um, he saw his product recommendation conversions go up just over 5%. But when you marry that to an increase in AOV, which is 18.75%, then he saw his product recommendation revenue go up nearly 15%. And it's, it's very common for us to see AOV go up and the volume of orders go up. And I think the reason AOV goes up is because you're now being more specific about that, what you show in that first couple of pages. And typically what people are doing is sequencing it by higher price first along with the other metrics. So I think that naturally boosts your AOV. Um, and then I think... Um, the volume increase in orders is probably a, a product of conversion rate. And, I, and again, I think that's down to showing more appropriate products in that mix. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Great. And um, I guess you're primarily working with Magento and Shopify currently, or at least that's my uh, assumption based on some of the clients that you've been working with uh, from our side. Um, do you intend on broadening this? Are these kind of the two main focuses for you? Um, or is it just a case of, you know, these are the platforms that have a bit more demand around them at the moment? So uh, we certainly have a lot of Shopify Magento clients at the moment. Uh, we also have some clients on SAP Hybris, Shopware, 
Web Select and several in-house systems, and we'll very shortly have a client on Salesforce. Um, so, and it, you know, it's it's kind of just been led by who's responded uh, to our um, reaching out to them. Really, we haven't we haven't specifically said we're going to focus on one particular platform. Um, but I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of interest in Shopify right now. I think I think in March we signed six new clients, and five of them were, were on the Shopify platform. That makes sense. And I guess you're presumably your my, or one of your most common customers is fashion, and obviously fashion is quite closely aligned with um, Shopify at the moment. Yes, yes, that's right. That makes sense. And then, so the next question. So I think a lot of people see the holy grail as like machine learning and personalization working across uh, search, um, the category grid or the collection grid, um, and then product recommendations and kind of data being shared around uh, both an individual user and the kind of um, combined performance of items across those areas. Um, is that something that your product does? I know that's um, something that's frustrated some of our clients in the past of other vendors. Um, do you essentially build up that kind of knowledge um, across all three areas? So, so I, I think there's actually quite a wide spectrum of, of use cases. I think at the one side, you've basically got people who just want you to set and forget it. Set it, forget it, just let it run. And that's obviously you know AI heavy. I think at the very far opposite end of that, you've got people that want to largely manually merchandise it. Um, and then somewhere in the middle, it's a kind of mixture of AI and and rules based with a bit of manual merchandising. So, you know, most of our clients tend to be uh, in that middle section. Um, and for a lot of them, they don't need to do manual merchandising when they're doing an email. Campaign, and they just want to make sure that the what goes out in the email is exactly mirrored on the landing page. So, so generally, people are using a mixture of AI uh, and rules-based with a little bit of uh, of manual merchandising. I also caution people. You know, we do use AI, obviously, but um, I mean, I think there are flaws in the AI model. And you know, I joke about the sort of Freddie Mercury uh, analogy with X Factor. So imagine we did X Factor using AI. In X Factor, you you build a model that says, "Well, we know what a boy band looks like. Uh, we know what you know. There's four of them or five of them. You know, one wears a leather jacket, whatever. We know what a girl band looks like. We know what a female singer looks like. Blah blah blah. blah. And you view everything through that lens. But what happens when a young Freddie Mercury turns up? Kind of doesn't really fit into any of those models. And you know, computer says no. So, so I do say to people, you need to think about this. You need to think about, you know, an over-reliance on AI is kind of retrospective. And, you know, it, it won't help you sell stuff that is slow selling. It won't help you figure out that problem. And it doesn't really lead you to being a transessor. If, if, if anything, it might lead you to being, um, you know, a, a, into a bit of a race on price, actually. So that's what I say to people. Do you, do you want to be a trendsetter or do you want to be an order taker? So a bit provocative, but there we go. That makes sense. And um, I guess your point there around the role of AI leads me nicely on to the next question, um, which is when you talk to a lot of the vendors in the market, um, they're usually quite pro 
heavily relying on their kind of intelligence and allowing, you know, their algorithms to learn um, and then end up kind of, you know, better sequencing products uh, based on the triggers and input that they use. Um, what's your view on this? You obviously just talked about the importance of business logic and, you know, things like stock, et cetera. Um, where do you think the right balance is? So, so, I mean, just, just to reiterate, you know, we do use AI in our platform and it does a lot of the, the heavy lifting. And I think it's very good for kind of the long tail. Um, but, you know, when you when you go back to the example of your typical visitors and you look at the first two or three pages, that's really where you want the expertise of the merchandiser involved because typically they know how to sell their stuff uh, or, you know, it might be that they've got new stock and, you know, there's just no data available for AI, in which case you really are relying on, on the human person having much more control over that uh, that product sequencing. So, you know, we've designed this tool really to be used by merchandisers and people that want to trade through their site. So, it's a, you know, it's a heavyweight merchandising platform. It's not a kind of AI widget, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I mean, I've worked with enough premium brands where the the transaction volume is low, but the value is high and the frequency of visit in, in, in commerce terms is really, really low. It's not like fast fashion. And the biggest demand of the toolkit is the visual merchandising control and the ability yeah. to and control the rules and overlay on, on top of the baseline. So yeah, 100% agree, you need you need that balance. Um, yeah. But you also sometimes need the machine to do it when you don't have the time to merchandise every page, basically. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so you talked earlier about um, the, the structures in the tool and you talked about templates. Can you explain what, what is a template? What do you mean by it? And how do templates add value to business users? Well, and what's in it for them? Sure. So, so back to the analogy of sort of layers of Photoshop, so my base layer is a merchandising blend. So that's what creates the, the product sequence. And if I don't use a template, it'll just do the whole category page or the whole search page for me. So what are templates? The so template's like the next level up or next layer up. And what it lets you do is to say, well, you know, there might be pages where I want more than one blend on the page. So it lets you create shapes on the page and then kind of paint shapes on the page and then say, well, I can have this different merchandising blend here and so on. So you, you might end up, for example, having certain rows that are new in, some some shapes that might be bestsellers and other things that might be high-value trending or something like that. And it's not just blends. I mean, it could be uh, filters. So a good example that people might use a template for is when you have an ambiguous search term. So let's imagine I'm, I'm selling running shoes and somebody types in uh, Nike trainers. Well, you haven't said, are you male or female? I don't know. So what you might do is have a template that says, well, when you search for Nike trainers, I'm going to show you women's on the left, men's on the right. Or another example, for, you know, in sports field, people search for pants. What do they mean? Do they mean jogging pants uh, or do they mean underpants? So that's another example where you can use a template to disambiguate search. Um Let's imagine you're selling uh, shoes to school kids. So, you know, as you approach the end of the school term, you might use a template to say, well, we're going to put stuff that they might buy in preparation of going on holiday higher than school shoes. And I might do that at a category level and also on a search level. But, you know, it's now towards the end of the holidays. We're getting ready for school. I might 
might reverse that. So, so it's about giving people a lot more control over where the blends or filters might uh, appear. And then, you know, other layers up, uh, we've got ad spots. So you can actually create your own uh, inline ads and promotions. So that would kind of trump what was underneath it. And then the top level layer is uh, manual merchandising, which is kind of king of the hill and trumps everything. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, that, that's quite nice added value that you can cut different rules to different elements of it. And, and you could you can create different visual merchandising patterns by using different zones within that template. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Um, the, the next question that will be on everyone's minds is what reporting do you have within the tool? So to what level of granularity, what data do people get by standard, like what the standard dashboards, how can they get more advanced reporting out of it? Sure. So uh, we report, you know, basically the performance of the uh, product, our platform rather. So it reports on things like the merchandising strategies, the effectiveness of blends and templates and so on. And you can drill down. So you can, you know, drill down um, uh, by day, for example. Uh, you can export it as a CSV file, which is um, very useful. You can set a date range, all that kind of stuff. You can, it will report on product performance. So you can see that in terms of click-throughs, out-of-basket purchases. It reports on category page performance. So you can see which categories produce your best click-through rates or out-of-basket or purchases. Um, and then with things like search, uh, you know, does a similar thing with search, but we also have a what's called a, a null result, you know, no result uh, report. So that will report on what search terms have you got that produce either zero results or low numbers of results. And the purpose to do that is that might then give you a clue of synonyms, perhaps, that you should create or search to read, redirects and so on. And then something that I, I mean, it's not strictly reporting, but it's kind of related, which I really like, is something called merchandising insights. And what that lets you do is uh, it lets you see for any given page on the front end, it will show you an overlay so you can see the score that each product has scored in our kind of internal logic to explain why is that product there. Because this we did this because we, we'd get phone calls from customers saying, we'd, you know, we've just applied a new rule or applied a template and can't quite understand why something's where it is. So we call it merchandising insights. It, it, it shows you the scores. It also shows you the logic. So you can understand the logic that we've gone through to arrive at that. And this is the thing I mentioned earlier. It also shows you the gives you an overview of site performance. And you can just see how quick things are. Uh, do you um do you have the ability to show um the like average click-through rate per position in the grid? Sorry if I missed. Um, um that, no, that do you know what I, I've been doing with, things that people don't where people want to know do they really need their best products in the top two or three? Can they still get a good click-through rate in position four or five? That's a good question. And unfortunately, the answer at the moment right now would be no, but that is one of the things on, on the roadmap. Yeah, it's a never-ending feast, is it, in terms of what data you, you people might want to use? Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, great. And then uh, leading on from you using the word roadmap, uh, so final <laughs> question, uh, what is on the roadmap for the rest of this year and next year of advanced commerce? Sure. So uh, first of all, the thing to say is, you know, a roadmap is largely driven by uh, what our clients ask for, just to, just to say that. So right now, um, we've got uh, native baby testing 
out on test with one client. So, so currently, we would support um, A-B testing through Google Optimize, but we've got a, a native version, which is out testing right now. Um, and then the second thing to say is a lot of our roadmap currently, a lot of our roadmap um, uh, actually is signed to connectors. So we've got, you know, we're building connector for Salesforce Commerce Cloud, building a connector for Ampliance, and building a connector for uh, Elastic Path. Uh, so that's quite a, uh, a big part of it. And then the rest of it probably is, um, you know, we constantly get uh, suggested enhancements to a UI, uh, which is really useful, actually. Um, and then the other aspect of it is things that help making onboarding quicker and easier. And some of it is kind of back-end automation, which is more kind of DevOps, you know, because as we grow the business, um, the whole kind of DevOps things becomes more important. You know, we're at about 25 clients right now. You know, by the time we get to 100 or so, then you know, DevOps will be increasingly more important. Um, do you, and I guess the other one that I think I've already um, asked you a few times is, on that roadmap, is there the ability to use the Shopify API for VMing? So, so currently, we have a Shopify app, but it's a private app, so it's not in the uh, marketplace. So, so right now, that's how we would connect to uh, Shopify clients. We do plan for that to become a public app at some point. We wanted to go through uh, at least one iteration with a you know a cohort of Shopify clients before we release that. That makes sense. I more mean the. Um so using the native Shopify grid. Um, but I think I'm sure I spoke to your colleague when we uh, met before, and I think that is something you plan on doing. Yeah, in fact, this is what we were hoping to discuss with you tonight, actually. Okay, well, I'm sure we'll discuss it over the next few days. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, that's great. So we, we've answered all the key questions. I guess um, you know, people might have some additional thoughts or they, they might want to probe in more detail in terms of how things work technically or to, to look at the back end and the demo. Um, how do they connect with you, Andre? Uh, I mean, they, they can connect on our website. Um, there's, there's the option to you know, book a meeting with me. Uh, they can email me directly. I'm andre at advancedcommerce.io. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, any, any of those methods, really. Excellent. Thanks very much. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you, it's been interesting. Some of you will have discovered the, uh, the the platform for the first time. Others will have learned more about it. Um, do reach out to Andre if you, if you want more detail. Um, thank you for listening. Keep an ear open for the next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. And do subscribe if you haven't already to get weekly alerts. And we'd love a rating on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Take care, everybody. Until next week. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.